What is up, Morning Skate listeners? I'm here with Igor Laryanov II, hockey player, avid Twitter user, and son of former Red Wings star Igor Laryanov. Igor, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me. Really excited to get on the show and um, talk a little bit. Of course. So if you guys aren't following Igor on Twitter or Instagram, um, you definitely should be because um, he's one of the most entertaining accounts on hockey Twitter, in my opinion. Um, and I know a lot of people listening feel the same way. So Igor, you have played your junior hockey pretty much everywhere. So mm -hmm. what's that experience like playing in the QMJHL, the OHL, and then the US, the USHL? Was it challenging having to switch leagues every few years? Um, to be honest, it wasn't too challenging at all. The way it all happened was I was drafted um, in the OHL by Saginaw and they didn't i wanted a, a trade they didn't want to give up my rights so the only way i was able to get out of that situation was to go to the qmjhl which i played in quebec for a year and after that one year i got a phone call from windsor and they pretty much told me they have a spot for me they wanted me to come come play for them and you know quebec's great and all i, I had a good time mm -hmm. but i'm from detroit windsor is you know 20 minutes away i could live at home so that was an offer i couldn't really pass up so I played a full season in Windsor and then I started the next year in Windsor and well, we were kind of struggling and it was my last year of junior hockey and I kind of wanted to, you know, play for a team that was challenging for, for something in the playoffs. I didn't want to be done in, you know, not make the playoffs or get swept in the first round. So a trade would have been kind of tough to do at that point. So I had a couple of friends, I had a couple of friends playing in the USHL. There was, we had a really good team in Muskegon. They had a lot of, um, mm -hmm. you know, Russian guys, a lot of guys I grew up playing with. And basically we were able to figure out a deal that Muskegon sort of was able to get my rights. And I played the rest of the season there. And it was honestly a blast. We, we had a great team. And I think from that team, we've already had, I think, six guys that have gone on to play pro in just two years. So it was wow. a, real, a really strong junior team. And it was a ton of fun playing over there. Mm -hmm. So you guys went pretty far in the playoffs then? Yeah, we lost in the um, semifinals. I ended up breaking my collarbone oh. right before that series. So I, w I was out of that series. But, you know, we were a game away from the finals. And, you know, I, I truly believe that we were good enough to win it all. But injuries and bad luck, you can't really control that. Yeah, it gets everyone at some point. So yeah, what are you up to now? I know um, you're playing for – you're out in Russia. And you're also living in California now instead of uh, Detroit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically this year I was in Russia and my season was cut short due to COVID. I I came out there, I was playing, you know, I was doing well. I mean, got rookie of the week my first week there. <laughs> and after that, I got COVID and it wasn't too bad of an illness for me personally. I battled through it pretty lightly. But mm -hmm. afterwards, the side effects were kind of too difficult. I had um, a very rapid heart rate that I tried to recover, but the doctors basically said it's kind of dangerous to, to try to push over that. So they shut me down for the year and I was only able to play 
five games, but it was still a good experience. And after that happened, um, basically the offseason started, and I figured I'd rather spend my offseason somewhere warm, somewhere by the beach than totally makes Michigan. Sense. No, yep. Yeah, no disrespect to Detroit. I love Detroit. I, I grew up most of my life in that area, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'd, I'd rather, you know, like like two days ago, I worked out, I skated, and I went to the beach. Like, what, what could be better yeah. than that? I mean, honestly, I think we'd all like some time out out in California, but for real, yeah. So you got COVID um, while in Russia, and mm-hmm. uh, you said you had some lasting symptoms from it. So is that something that? Um, I, I just think that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily take COVID yeah. seriously, but here you are, um, you know, a professional athlete and you actually had, you know, some lasting effects mm-hmm. from it. So what does that say about, um, you know, the serious of, of this disease and how it's something that can really affect anyone? Uh, yeah. So basically when I had it, it wasn't bad at all. Like the, the illness itself was, you know, um, it was obviously difficult to go through because there's still some um, symptoms that are kind of severe. Like your body is just isn't a battle the entire time. It's mm-hmm. it's in pain and all these things. But I was lucky enough where I didn't have any of the respiratory um, symptoms, and it was mostly just flu-like conditions with severe, um, you know, body aches. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, my doctors they honestly said that if I was wasn't a pro athlete, if I was just a regular, you know, guy, I wouldn't even know I had these, you know, heart conditions because I only figured them out because of having to put my body to that extreme every day and having to, you know, mm-hmm. get my heart rate up or work that hard. And that's how we figured that out. And so in terms of that, you can, you can think of all the people that have had something similar, but didn't know because they don't get, you know, constant heart checks. They don't have like heart rate monitors at work or something. So you just look at that and you think that because of what I do, I was able to spot that. And Thankfully, I was able to get the treatment, and now I'm, you know, back to 100%. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, glad to hear that you're back at 100%. Thank you. I actually had it back in November, and I had a lot of the symptoms you mm-hmm. mentioned, and I just remember for, like, an entire day not being able to move. Um, and I also yeah, missed our first, our first home series of hockey um, mm-hmm. that I would have been able to go to in person if I didn't get COVID. But eventually recovered after my two week quarantine and was able to get back to Badger hockey. So obviously everyone's path to professional hockey or their career is different. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe yours? Uh, my path's a bit nomadic because I've been to a lot of different places. I've, you know, experienced a lot of different cultures and I think that's, that's cool. I really, I really enjoyed my path because I got to meet so many different people. I got to, live in so many different spots and yeah growing up i was you know always playing for the best teams and the was always in the first line one of the top scorers and then i was like 15 16 i got some pretty bad injuries so i had to get you know some surgeries on my hips Mm -hmm. to fix that out and all my buddies ended up going like first round ntdp straight to the nhl draft and because of that i had to recover and you know honestly i'm grateful for that because I feel like all the guys that had smooth paths, then they've never really experienced adversity. But also, mm-hmm. when it you have character. a smooth path, you sort of it builds character exactly, and it honestly builds emotional development as well. Because when you have a smooth mm-hmm. path to the top, you think you're invincible. You think you can treat people however you want. You you don't have to build your personality in multiple factors. Whereas, 
you know, when I was out for two years, I couldn't just be a hockey player. I had to get other interests. I had to, you know, build up my, my personality, my emotional background in different ways. So I became really interested in film and in, in music and art and fashion and all these different things. So I'm very glad that it's crazy to say that I'm glad that I had these injuries and I was younger, but I'm super glad because I didn't become just, you know, your typical hockey bro. That's just focused on mm -hmm. hockey and that's all he cares about. So as difficult as that was, I'm really glad that I went through that. And, you know, it's one of those things where it happens. You can't really control it. You just got to make the best of it. And I, I truly believe that I did make the best of those uh, situations. Yeah, of course. And especially a sport like hockey, where um, pretty young, it kind of becomes your main focus if, you know, yeah. you're going to play at a high level. So it's so interesting that you were able to pursue other interests and um, I'm sure it makes you appreciate where you are now a lot more as well, just knowing sure. you know, like what you've had to overcome to get here. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what challenges did you face um, this past year trying to stay out on the ice? Obviously, you were out with COVID, but mm -hmm. um, were practice facilities shut down? Did you have to switch to like outdoor workouts? What was that like? You know, everything was pretty, pretty normal, which is crazy to say. <laughs> um, like even even in the summer and the off season, we've pretty much found a way to get on the ice. We found a way to get into the gym, and everything was pretty much uh, as normal as possible. And then when I got over to Russia, they treated it like nothing happened. So we we basically oh, wow. did everything like it was a regular season, and there really was wasn't a challenge that came up. It was just all smooth sailing. Everything was you know really fun and. The only challenges that did happen were after I got sick, but mm -hmm. before that, it was honestly it was the most fun I ever had. You know, playing hockey and just the most fun I ever had being on a team. And you know, you're living in Moscow; it's one of the nicest cities in the world. You you practice at you know 10 a.m. at 11:30. You're you're free. You have the rest of the day to explore one of the greatest cities on earth. And for me, that was just that was a blast. And I can't really say there was any issues, anything difficult. Sure, there were days where, you know, you were mm -hmm. tired, you you missed you missed people that were, you know, overseas or, or whatever back home. But honestly, it was if I could go back right now and relive that experience, I'd do it in a flash. I feel like that's something a lot of people are kind of reasoning or realizing now with um quarantine restrictions being lifted up. I know for me personally, you know, this past mm -hmm. year at school was a lot different, but it also gave me a chance to get closer to the people I did already know. Of course, yeah. Um, and still, you know, had some good memories and had some good times. So that's awesome yeah, that it's, it's you were able to still do that in Russia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's all how you look at things. That's yeah. That's why I always say the mentality is 90% of everything. 100%, yeah. So um, something that we definitely have to address is your hockey number which mm -hmm. if you guys don't know igor is number 69 probably one of the only players out there who's number 69 <laughs> <laughs> um which is a very uncommon number in hockey for obvious reasons yeah. so how did you go about picking that number and was there any issue ever of you wearing it um yeah so this is kind of a funny story when my uh <laughs> I was going over to play in Russia. My team called me and they said, there's only like four or five jerseys available. And I think three of, uh, three, four of them were my 
size, one cubic, so I already threw one out. So it was between 69, 88, um, I think 14, and some other number. And to be totally honest, I picked 69 to impress a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it worked. So that that wow. that that plan works, and <laughs> but no, it's, that's 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 my vibe. I like to be different. I like to, you know, mm -hmm. be a little strange and have fun with things. Like, I mean, look at the sunglasses I have. Why on. not? That's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If I could play in these, I would. But having sixty nine <laughs> in your back is it gets you that little bit extra attention, and I I always tend to play mm -hmm. better with the spotlight on my back. So. I don't know. I just think it's fun that to do something different because hockey. Yeah, show some personality a, out there. Exactly. Yeah, it's such a mm -hmm. great sport, but it's also such a boring sport because of the zero personality yeah. factor. So. Yeah, I know. When I had the opportunity, the I, I jumped at about, it. Yeah. yeah. Just crushing Absolutely. personality as soon as players get to high levels, but it's great to see you're sticking with it. Um. So, has anyone ever told you that you can't wear sixty nine? So far, no. So far, no one's ever said that, and I'm sure eventually someone will say that. But honestly, my goal is to is to become a player where, where you're good enough where people can't really tell you that. So mm -hmm. it's just mo extra motivation every day to put in that work, get better, get stronger. <laughs> and honestly, if you think about it, if I were to get 69 on a team here, that would be the highest selling jersey, and that's oh, yeah. a win. That's a oh, win. For, yeah. That's a win 100%. for everyone. Yeah. That's, that's a win for the mm -hmm. team, for the league, for me, for for everything. So I don't know. It's we'll see if things change, but I'm I'm trying to hold on to that number firmly because you know, I played well with it. I had a good time with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like it. If it, it fits what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, and I think honestly, that's awesome. I mean, really there's no harm in it. And I think people love it. And just you know, everyone has everyone has their number. Doesn't really matter the reason, right? <laughs> For sure, so, I 100 agree. Um, what is one thing that Americans would be surprised to hear about living in Russia? It's a very good question. Russia is a different world. You know, it's when it's it's funny when people in America complain about you know the issues and you know the stuff going on. I'm like, you got to go to Russia. You got to experience what like what it's like to to go to the grocery store and there might not be any food or there might not be any any water wow. or you know, something like that. So. Obviously, in downtown Moscow, it's as high tech. It's as you know accessible to get pretty much anything as anywhere mm -hmm. in the world. But if you go thirty miles outside of Moscow, it's a different story. You know, people people are struggling. It's a it's a hard life over there. So mm -hmm. that's just that's one of the things that you would ex experience. You could experience in a day the most modern, you know, first world, futuristic place. And then you drive, you know, 40 miles outside and you're in a third world country. So that could be kind of different to, you know, someone from America because most people haven't been to a third world country. And when you can experience two of those in one day, it's really eye opening. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, and uh, I was looking through your TikTok page the other day and I actually mm -hmm. saw one of your videos where it looked like the tap water was just brown. Like yeah. Just yeah. Mud. And I know um, I used to work for uh, the NTDP out in Michigan. And when they had tournaments mm. in Russia, they had to bring over just cases and cases of bottled water because yeah, they couldn't true. drink there. So was that something you had to deal with over there? Or were you able to, like, I don't know, get used to the water your time there? Honestly, I've spent so much time in 
in Russia, my stomach is probably made out of metal by now. I can pretty much pretty much drink anything. Stomach, and I'll anything. Be fine. And, yeah. Yeah. And the bath water, it is, yeah, it is brown. It is very, <laughs> I think, rusty. I, I like to call oh, it rustic. Okay. It's <laughs> yeah. But no, I if you guys saw that video, I, I did go into that bath and it was fine. I survived. Nothing really happened to me. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm that kind mm-hmm. of person where I I just do crazy things sometimes and just roll with it. Yeah. Just roll with it. Yeah. It's, it's a cool story. It was a cool TikTok, and mm-hmm. it was a different experience, but at the end of the day, I survived. I got some cool content out of it and <laughs> stories. So what could be better? Mm-hmm. So did you spend a lot of time in Russia um, growing up then? Basically what we would do is we would live in the States throughout the school year and season. And then after that, we would go uh, to Russia for the summers and basically, you know, visit grandparents, you know, cousins, uncles, all of that. One sec, something happened on my screen. Oh, no worries. Right, I'm back. Yeah, sorry, sorry. My something just came <laughs> up, but yeah, like I like I was saying, um, yeah, basically we would um, spend the school year and my dad's season in the states. Then in the off season, we would go to Russia for like a month or two, and then after that month or two, we'd go on vacation super closer to the states and. But yeah, every every summer I'd spend at least a month or two in Moscow visiting family members, visiting, you know, cousins, relatives, grandparents. And it was always exciting to go there. It was always a lot of fun to visit. And I like I love to travel. I love to experience new things. I think mm-hmm. going to Europe is very cool. So just doing that was always a ton of fun for me because you could, you know, you could see so much, you could learn so much, and you always met new people, which was, you know, a treasure. And I think that's some one of the you know, coolest thing you can do is to network and to make contacts for the rest of your life. And throughout my childhood, I was able to, you know, make friends that I still have now, you know, have acquaintances that I still have now. And that's something that I find really interesting, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. Um, just getting to travel in Europe and for basically sure. live there for a couple months and now living there mm-hmm. as well. So I have to ask you, Team USA or mm-hmm. Team Russia? It's a really hard question because you know i i'm pretty much as american as they come because i was like born here i was raised Mm -hmm. here i spent most of my life here but at the same time i'm very um i'm very russian so you know the way i look at it is i don't i don't think i'm from anywhere i just think i take the Mm -hmm. best of every culture that i've been in and i try to you know implement that into my life and Honestly, I don't know if I could choose because <laughs> I honestly I, I'm not the type of person that that would want to choose even. I would I guess I would skip that if I could because because <laughs> like I've been called up to the Russian um like there's Euro tours and all that in Russia and I've been mm-hmm. called up once to that for for a summer tournament and you know, I obviously accepted that, but I don't know, looking looking at myself now, I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm different. If that's a weird way of putting it, but like I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't choose anything. I I choose the world if that makes sense. And that's kind of a mm-hmm. a hipster hipsterish answer to that question. <laughs> but in reality, I no, I, I, I think it totally as, totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and just, just um one of the, one of the world. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's really interesting too because a lot of players who you know um uh, a lot of other kids of NHL players actually who are mm-hmm. born in the States um, do end up picking either USA or their parents' yeah. native country. And that's interesting how you really feel just, you know, this this sense of, 
like just being who you are regardless of um you know tied to one yeah, nationality specifically it's tough yeah because you're you're so torn between the two because mm -hmm. you have a, obviously a connection to both and it, it's tough to break these connections because they're they're ingrained to you from your childhood from your youth mm -hmm. and it's almost like a a psychological connection to these places but mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I couldn't I couldn't choose honestly. And I'm like, sure, like you know, World Juniors, seeing some of your former teammates play, yeah. you know, might root a little bit more for USA that year. Or when your dad's coaching, um, mm -hmm. U20 team, you're exactly. probably cheering him on. Um, so that's what are I your do. thoughts? I, I cheer for my friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, and that's honestly like the best you can do, right? I mean, regardless of for sure what team they're playing on, you want your friends and family to succeed. So what are your thoughts yeah. on um, the movie Miracle? <laughs> Is that something that's like banned in your household or? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I saw that movie in theaters with my dad when I was like five years old. And mm -hmm. no, we, I love that movie. I think it's, I think it's a great, great film. I, I really think Kurt Russell should have been nominated for at least a Golden Globe oh, yeah. for that performance. He was, <laughs> he was incredible. He was incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a good film. It's entertaining. Um, I really enjoy watching it. Um, my dad also likes the movie, but he was one of the last cuts from that uh, 1980 Soviet team. So, mm -hmm. you know, he was on a team. He didn't lose. Um, maybe if he was on the team and he did lo lose that game, we would have a different. different yeah, a little yeah. different opinion of that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's such a cool story and like. I just love that they were able to tell that story in such an interesting and cinematic, mm -hmm. cinematic way. So, no, I, I really enjoy Miracle. I'll, I I haven't watched it in a while. I think last time I watched it was maybe four or five years ago. But if it's ever on TV or, if, or I don't know, if I'm just, you know, bored and go on Disney Plus or something, you know, I, I definitely put that on and give it a watch. It's It's a good film, honestly, just like based, mm -hmm. even regardless of being a hockey fan or having any connection to it it's a solid film for based from from storyline to acting performances all around i think it's very solid yeah i was just so interested to hear your perspective on it um being both <laughs> an american and russian hockey yeah. player whose dad did play for um the russian olympic team and it's interesting to hear mm -hmm. that um you know he potentially could have played on that team as well so switching yeah, gears a bit here um mm -hmm. you are from michigan I am also from Michigan, and um, if anyone listening doesn't know, Michigan's hockey community is huge, especially around Detroit. They have a couple of the best yeah. AAA teams in the country, probably the best AAA teams in the country, honestly. Um, and it's basically like an NHL player breeding ground, essentially. I mean, sure. um, so many players have come out of there. So, uh, and you played for Honey Baked AAA, which is also one of the best teams out there so what was mm -hmm. it like playing um in such a competitive hockey community it was a lot of fun i i loved my time playing for honey bake we were treated you know incredibly well like we were mm -hmm. given our own locker room we were given you know all the clothes to work out in you know team jackets mm -hmm. pretty much everything and we were always one of the best teams in the country so it was the games are honestly never too challenging because we were that good. I think one of the years we went like 73 and two or something. And that's just insane winning 70 games in a season. And we, we were always that good. So it was mm -hmm. just a ton of fun because we were always winning. We were always, you know, treated with, you know, 
as well as you know some junior teams are treated and because of that i just i can't you know think of those memories any better because they were just so much fun and i still have a lot of friends from those teams and it's just one of those things where you look back and you think how lucky we were to have our own locker room get everything we wanted travel mm-hmm. to the best tournaments play all the best teams and you know we were lucky enough to win a lot of tournaments and a lot of championships too yeah and honestly like those experiences playing hockey when you're a kid where in the moment it's just about having fun it's not about you know mm-hmm. like what junior team you're going to college commitments any of that of it's all about just having fun and those are some of my um best memories from hockey uh and i was wondering um if you ever got a chance to play in the state tournament in michigan which is one mm-hmm. of the best um state tournaments in the country yeah I actually got to play in that, I think, eight times, and I won it six times. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, did you a ever lot of good memories get, from that. get to nationals then? Yeah, we got to nationals twice, and we won it once. Wow. What year was that? Uh, I think 2014, 15. I think we were bad wow, okay. major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it, was um, a, it was a good time, yeah. Any- uh, did you play with any um, notable names that uh, some of our listeners, NHL fans, might know now? Let me think. Um, growing up, I so I think only one of us has made the NHL. I think only three of us are playing pro right now, and the three playing pro, or, or no, four of us have, have played pro, mm-hmm. and that would be myself, Max Jones, um, Sean Day, and Patrick Kodorenko was in the AHL. So I think us four have, have turned pro, made a pro. The rest are playing, I think, either college or, yeah, I think they're all in college. The rest are all in college. So pretty much everyone made it to at least the USHL, OHL, or, or college. And that's pretty incredible for, you know, a team that was put together when we were 13, 14 years old. Yeah, that's honestly kind of insane. Um, it just shows, you know, how good – Honey baked was and how good the training mm-hmm. programs in Michigan are that they can get pretty much most of the team um, to some high level, whether it's juniors or, yeah. or even the NHL. That's so actually, yeah, I was that's just wondering, crazy yeah, to think about. yeah. Um, so I was just wondering, what is your favorite restaurant in the area, or something you miss about um, living in Michigan? Favorite restaurant? That's that's a tough one because I would go out to so many restaurants, but. Hmm. I guess my go-to would sort of be um, Ronin in Royal Oak. It's like a it's like a sushi spot. Okay. And then I really liked Forest Grill in Birmingham. It was like kind of like a European contemporary uh, type of restaurant, which I really enjoy. Obviously, with the European background, they would have mm-hmm. like they'd have like caviar and for a Russian. That's like the number one meal <laughs> of every <laughs> single day. So that was huge for uh, for us, but. The biggest, uh, biggest thing I miss is honestly just going to the gym. Like I'd go to 2SP in, um, in the Detroit area. It's a sports performance gym. And just going there and hanging out with all the guys, with all the trainers. Like I'd work out and then I'd spend like another hour and a half there just like chilling, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting some cupping as recovery and just like just just joking around with the fellows. Like this week in LA I had, I had four of my – actually, no, five of my friends fly in from – from Detroit and I just it was so refreshing seeing you know my my friends from from there over here and 
it was just fun to take him around, show him around LA. And another thing that is one of my favorite things to do is I love to introduce one friend group with another friend group. So it's like when I can, you know, have my LA friends meet my Detroit friends. It's, I think that's so, so funny. And it's like a crossover episode almost, (laughs) but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of things I miss about Detroit and I definitely want to visit some point this summer, but we'll see. Yeah. Definitely gotta, gotta make it, make a trip back. For sure. Um, so a lot of NHL players, um, especially Red Wings players, kids also mm-hmm. live in the area. So did you ever play with or against them on any of the teams? Honestly, I don't think I ever did play against any of the former Red Wings. To be honest, the only like kids of our former Red Wings players that I had any contact with growing up were the Iserman girls because we were, you know, always so close. My sisters were close with, with them and I was, you know, pretty close with them. So that was the only connection that uh, we sort of had. Um, I'm just thinking of anyone else. I can't really think of anyone that I played against in my age group. I, I really can't think of anyone, but I guess we were always close with the Isermans a little bit and we're still, you know, on each other's social media. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't think anyone was born in my year. I think they were maybe all born a bit later in like in 2000, 2001. So mm-hmm. I actually used to work with to... Um, Sophia. She interned at uh, mm-hmm. the NTDP oh, when no I was way. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where that was. So cool, but yeah. Um, yeah, we used to, Eiserman uh, uh, came to a game and um, mm-hmm. he was in like our little press box. And I was like, yeah, oh, shit, this is, this is kind of <laughs> cool. Steve, Steve Eiserman right here. But um yeah, it yeah, that's crazy awesome for everyone that, to see him yeah. there. Yeah, we were all just kind of like, "Oh my god!" Like, look, like, I bet he was just yeah. talking. He was just talking to Sophia, and we we're just like, "Oh my god, so cool." He's such a nice um, guy too. He's such a like, just a regular like down yeah. person, which you don't yeah. even think about it when you when you meet him that he's someone like special. He's just like the yeah, nicest, was, most regular guy, regular like, yeah, guy. Like, oh my god, <laughs> so <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> um, so. Obviously, your dad, um, member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, three-time Stanley Cup champion, mm-hmm. member of the Russian Five on the Red Wings, um, definitely one yeah. of the most famous Wings players ever, one of the best players ever. Um, but right now on Twitter, you seem to be surpassing him in followers. So I was wondering if, um, <laughs> you know, there's some friendly competition there or if you you said anything about it, like giving him text like, hey, Guess who has more followers now? Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't really tweet that much besides like his Twitter is basically used to keep track on me and like mm-hmm. my sisters if we ever do anything. So he doesn't he doesn't really care about that. Um, but no, as soon as I I'm at fourteen thousand, he's at fourteen thousand. As soon as I get fourteen thousand one hundred, I'll definitely tweet something taking a jab <laughs> at him saying that I have more followers than him or or just making fun of him in some way, but but no, I, I think it's fun that we have this little competition going. He doesn't really, I don't think, care about it because yeah, <laughs> he's he's. I hate to say it, but he's a boomer, and you know that generation <laughs> doesn't really pay attention to, mm-hmm. to social media as much as we do. But no, he's got he's got a lot of followers on Instagram too. He's more of an Instagram guy. He always posts his you know his meals and his workout videos. <laughs> so he's he's more of an Instagram guy, if, if anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um. Speaking of his Instagram, I stalked it a bit beforehand. Um, it seems mm-hmm. like he's been up to a lot lately, including making wine. 
Um, and yeah. he's all, if you guys don't know, he's also famous for drinking a glass of red wine before um, playing hockey. And I was wondering yeah. if you could give us some insight about that. I mean, I know for me personally, like I can't mm -hmm. just like before beer league, I don't know how people do that. Um, so I was wondering, has he ever, you know, explained why or the benefits of that? I honestly don't know. I've never asked him and I really don't know. Like I, I should ask him <laughs> these days, but <laughs> have you but ever tried he always it? Drinks. No, I never have. I, you I'm might, you might have not, to. I probably will at this point. I feel like I played it better. Might be, when it's like in yeah. your in your genes that that's that's what you got to do. I probably should. I I might yeah, but I might take a shot of something instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just just for a summer skate, see how it works out. Then yeah, next um, skate I'll take a shot yeah. of tequila in the locker room and see how that works. You have out you you have to let us know how it goes if you do. I'll probably I'll definitely, probably be better. Definitely to be tweet it out. Definitely tweet it. If oh, you I do will for sure. Keep us updated. Um, I'll bring so, a bottle and, to the locker room. Yeah, <laughs> and he does make wine now. So how did he get into that? That seems like one of the mm -hmm. more interesting um, endeavors that we've seen from former NHL players. Yeah, he's always loved wine, and that's one of the, his passions. Like I remember as a kid, he was you know, super passionate about that, and he started to make wine at um, a certain point, and now he's you know selling it in Russia. It's selling at a bunch of stores. They have it at a bunch of restaurants, and yeah he he really enjoys it that's one of the things that he's always been passionate about i remember uh when i think i was maybe like nine or ten he had a photo shoot where he was in his skates but he was like making wine or something it was it was something weird <laughs> like that and the mm -hmm. caption or the tagline was hockey is my life wine is my passion or, or some something <laughs> like that and from that point on i always knew he, clearly he he really appreciated wine a lot so Mm -hmm. yeah it's good for him that he's making wine and i don't i'm not much of a wine guy myself like i'll have it now and then if he offers but that's i'm more of a cocktail person to be honest but <laughs> what do you, know, you if he what ever do you offers me a glass wine? of wine i think it's pretty good i'm i honestly don't really like the taste of wine too much i i feel like i like maybe some of the stuff he does give me is really good but a lot of the stuff he gives me i'm like sitting for me <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I'm more of a cocktail person, and if he gives me What's wine, it's usually go good, so I, go I will drink. drink it. Anything spicy. A spicy margarita is my favorite. I think I've had, um, like, a, a Moscow Mule with, like, jalapeno mm -hmm. in it. Have you had that before? I never have had that. I, I usually Or, like, go extra spicy ginger or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's really good, though. I love it when they add, like, peppers or, you know, something like that to mm -hmm. it. It's like some mezcal mm. with some pepper, some celery. Ooh. You know, that's 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 perfect for me. Mm -hmm. So your dad coaches Russia's under twenty team right now. Um, has he ever coached you or your team growing up? He never really coached me growing up because he didn't want to get in the way, and it wasn't even to get in the way. He didn't want me to have that sense of entitlement yeah. that being the coach's son, I could you know get away with with anything and you know i'm I'm glad that that never happened in my mm -hmm. life because like people that were coached by their kids are kind of they're a bit entitled thinking that they're superior yeah. that they're better than other people and i was always just part of the group i never had that sense of entitlement but he did um always run our summer training and we did have some select tournaments in in detroit every uh off season we'd he'd throw together a team um 
for uh, like a U18 tournament or something. And I remember one of the years we got a bunch of like guys who played like major junior on a U18 team because we all thought it was funny. <laughs> mm. And uh, we played a bunch of U18 teams and we ended up, we ended up winning every single game by an average score, I think of 12 to nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it was, it was always fun because in the summertime, he'd always train us, he'd always skate us and just like that we we'd all love it like even to this day we we all think about it and even even now when he comes to LA he gets on the ice but he never did coach me in season because he never wanted me to to be a coach's son which you know I appreciate because I I don't think I'd want to be that person either so yeah I'm, I'm I think glad. we've all had, glad how we had you know, it. that one team with um the coaches kid and it's just kind of yeah like, it's never a good experience it's never a good experience. they really so be on this team I, I even like, had it this season know. too wow yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely um not a fun experience but it's nice that you know he's giving you that opportunity to grow and really um you know just get better on your own without him kind of hovering sure. there or just you know creating drama with kids that are like oh he's coach's son and all that yeah um, I would hate that. so what's what's your hockey relationship with him i know you said he doesn't coach you but does he mm -hmm. still you know gives you advice or tips and sometimes you just not want to hear it sometimes. Like what's, what's good. What's that like? No, I mean, he, he's always helping me out. Like we're, we're, we're always watching hockey games together in the summers. We're always on the ice together. So we have a great hockey relationship because we're, he's always trying to, you know, better my game, trying to help me, trying to point something out. And I can't really say anything bad about it. Cause I've, I've been extremely lucky to have him, help me out because how many kids have the opportunity to you know come home and watch a playoff hockey game with you know a hall of fame player that can you know mm -hmm. dissect the play give you tips help you <laughs> out with pretty much anything and yeah i'm just super super lucky to have that kind of opportunity it's for me it's just watching a game with my dad but like for for most people that's like something you'd win at like a charity event like yeah you'd, you'd, bid, you'd bid to watch a game with like yeah <laughs> you know a, a, a hall of famer or a current player mm -hmm. and that's just my day-to-day -day life so i understand how lucky i am but also it's nothing special to me because that's just first off he's my dad second of all he's like he's a, he's a hockey player so i view mm -hmm. it as just you know quality time with uh with a parent and honestly that's that's awesome that you view it that way and um you can just kind of take pleasure in that as something that can help you out in hockey and also just spending time mm -hmm. um, with your dad. And your mom was also um, an amazing athlete. She was a figure skater. So I was yep. wondering if did she have any influence on teaching you how to skate or was she trying to get you out on the ice when you were little? Yeah, my skating is all her. And the way it happened was when I was growing up, she never really uh, taught me how to skate because I was very, I was little, I was immature. It was boring. I just wanted to chase a puck around with a stick. Which most little kids <laughs> mm -hmm. want to do Yeah. But one, once again, coming back to, to, to the luckiness of getting injured at 15 and missing two full seasons. At that point, I had to completely rebrand my form of skating. And for an entire five months after my surgery, after rehab, I was on the ice with my mom every day. And she basically built my skating up from scratch and just built it up in a way that was the most efficient, the most, you know, I don't want to say perfect, but perfect technique way of teaching this skate. Yeah. And 
after that, I everyone has always told me I have you know incredible skating technique that I'm a very good skater and some of the things I always get complimented on that people always you know tell me about. So I'm very again very lucky that I missed two years of hockey with you know severe injuries that you know could have messed me up you know not only my career but you know mentally because that's that's tough seeing all your friends you know mm-hmm. getting drafted you're you know all these things but again I was looking back I honestly that that helped me so much to the point now where you know I'm so confident in my skating ability so confident in um you know my speed with my edges so again just very very lucky that that happened to me yeah and I'm sure those are some great memories spent with your mom as well honestly to be totally honest it was for me it was horrible (laughs) because I hated every single I hated every single minute of it because it was so boring to me. All I wanted to do was I was yelling yeah. at her. I was telling her, this is so stupid. I want I want to give me my stick. I want to shoot pucks. I want to do one-on-ones. And she was like, no, no pucks on the ice. We're working on your skating. You can, you, you can use your stick, but we're working on skating. And for about five months, that's all I did every day. And it was a type of thing where after your surgery, you have to go gradually, like, you know, five yeah. minutes on the ice for one week and then 15, 30, like 40, like build it up. And by the end of it, I was just a difference. And, you know, some people didn't even recognize me because they didn't see me skate for almost a full full calendar year. And that was one of the things when I got back, people would come up to my parents and be like, is that him? Like, what happened to him? So, <laughs> again, like, incredibly lucky that I got two severe mm-hmm. injuries back-to-back that I was able to, you know, sort of build up my character my and my skating and just who I am as a person. Well, hopefully um... – you weren't too hard on your mom. Uh, but yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. I know a lot of people probably experience that, you know, practice sucks sometimes. But um, in the mm. end, like once you realize the difference, you're like, oh, my God, I'm glad I did those bag skates. I'm glad I spent that summer sure. training. And it sounds like you really like it paid off really well. Oh, 100%. It's super valuable. Mm-hmm. So, um when you were growing up in Detroit, uh, did you go to a lot of mm-hmm. Wings games, watch your dad play? Um, and if so, do you have a best memory at a game? Yeah, so basically what would happen was we would go to pretty much every game, but we would always sit in the family room. So I was never really in the stands. We mm-hmm. would just watch in the family room because they had food. It was, you know, it was me and my two older sisters, but they were still pretty young too. So like it was easier for my mom to just, you know, keep us all in the family room where we could just run around and like, you know, if we want a snack, there's a bunch of food everywhere. I feel like Mm -hmm. now a lot of teams, they sort of do that, but with like a suite for family members. So you could sort of watch at the same time as, as being in that environment of like, you know, you're, you're all in the room together, but no, I don't really have too many memories of actually being in the stands. The, The biggest memories I do have, sometimes we would stand behind the Zamboni door at Joe and when my dad would skate by, he would wink at us. That's something that I would always, you know, I would always look forward to. And another thing that I I do remember is when they won the cup in 02 and I got to go on the ice and I didn't realize what was going on. I was mostly just, you know, just scared. It was, it was so loud. There were so many people. It was very late at night. And, you know, I was three years (laughs) old at the time. All I wanted was to go, go home and probably watch like, you know, cartoons or something. But looking back i'm so lucky that i have you know i've experienced that the photos like that picture of us 
the entire team, I'm in that picture and I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> how many people can can say they've they've covered Sports Illustrated? That's yeah. <laughs> that's pretty unbelievable. And I've used that as a brag a couple of times and or use it it's use it in um, two truths, one lie. That's a good one for that. Yeah, two too. truths or one lie. Or like, yeah, it's like yeah, I was on the cover. Of sports I don't know. I just think that no big even, deal. <laughs> for real, even though like I don't really remember it, the photos and the videos they just bring you back, and you just and you just think, wow, I was there. I experienced that. And that's yeah. I don't know. For me, that's it's very cool. That must have just been like insanely cool, especially once you realized, um, you know that. What yeah, the Stanley Cup meant the and, magnitude and what of that it, meant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, so you mentioned you wrote three, um, and mm -hmm. uh, do you remember like celebrating with the cup when your dad got his day with the cup? I remember when uh, we brought it to Moscow, and I think I had just turned four. Maybe I was a little bit older, but I remember my dad put the cup in the shower with me, and I showered with the cup. That's pretty much. <laughs> what I remember most, and then afterwards, I ate frosted flakes out of the cup. I do remember that we had um frosted flakes in our apartment in Russia, and I remember eating that out of the cup. And <laughs> I didn't really get what was so special about it. People were taking photos of it. I was just like, all right, like eating my dad brought cool. home this but, um, big silver yeah. metal thing. Like, <laughs> guess we're lugging yeah, it around. Yeah, I think my dad brought, brought home a new toy for real. <laughs> like I made cereal. It was, it was <laughs> nothing too crazy. Yeah, but looking so back, I'm like, I'm wow. assuming you did. Even, even, you honestly, did touch yeah, it, right. Oh, I've, I, the first one they won, the second one they won in '98. He asked for the cup day right after, like, what was my uh, due date? Because I was born that summer, and oh, I think I was okay. three days old. Three, three days old. They put me in the cup, so <laughs> I got the Stanley Cup curse. But honestly, I don't believe in yeah. curses. Like, yeah. I don't believe in many things in terms of that. I believe in like uh, spirituality and like the universe, but like in terms of curses or anything like that, that's but not not know, the same like curse. Yeah, no, that's something I don't believe in. I wonder. I I don't know if it's actually like if someone's proved it um to be like not true. If that's ever happened, I I think I um, be, one of my friends told me. One of my friends, I think it was either Getzlaff or Corey Perry. One of them had touched it when they were a kid. And then they, you know, obviously went on to win it. So I think. Okay, so you're good. Broke that you, don't, curse. you don't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it's yeah. I, 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 no longer curse. We can I'm all touch worried. the cup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, um, your dad was very influential in forcing the Soviet Union to allow players to join the NHL, which is just awesome. Like, aside from all his hockey accomplishments, just that shows like how strong, you know, his character is. Um, it yeah. is just something to be like really proud of your dad for. And he also spoke out about some of the Russian training methods um, and using steroids ahead of the 1982 mm -hmm. world championship. Um, is that something you heard him talk about growing up or something that you maybe even like knew about at all? You know, I never really knew about that until I read his book, which is funny, funny to say, because <laughs> we, we never really talked about that. Like, I obviously knew the mm -hmm. history of how he was one of the first players, how he was very outspoken at the time, but I never fully understood the magnitude until I read his book. And honestly, the way he was doing that is just, it's, I'm so impressed because yeah, you know, I mean, back then, like, if you were that was huge. it was dangerous. 
it was dangerous yeah. to speak out against those people. It was very dangerous, especially having like, you know, a young wife, a young daughter. And, you know, thankfully nothing happened to my mom or to my sister, but like, just thinking about like, you know, I, I could say a lot of things and be outspoken, but I'm not sure I'd, you know, be able to say that if I were to have, you know, a wife right now, or if I were to have a kid, it's, it's totally different because yeah, you know, I'm fine if something happens to me, but like if something happens to the people that I love, that's, that's totally different. But, you know, he, he was doing it to get a better life for his family because, you know, coming into 1989 when he played in the NHL, I think he had one Canada Cup, two Olympic gold medals, I think five mm -hmm. or four world championships. And all he had was $5,000 in his bank account because they pretty wow. much didn't get paid at that time. So he was, you know, trying to forge a better life for his family. And if you look at like, you know, he was Russia's number, uh, the Soviet Union's number one center. And then you compare like, you know, Gretzky Canada's number one center. And like, in that time, it was probably, you know, Gretzky Lemieux, like my dad arguably the three mm -hmm. top centers in the 80s. And by 89, Gretzky and Lemieux were like multimillionaires. And my dad was arguably yeah. on their level. And, you know, he only had $5,000. So, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you got to take a risk to forge a better life for your family. And, you know, it, it definitely paid off. Mm -hmm. And I, I looked into that a bit. And, um, like, I had no idea that players had to live in, like, military, like, barracks, essentially. Yeah. Right? And, like... Um, yeah, he lived. They he lived there for. He wasn't able to live with your mom and sister at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, basically they lived. I think that's nine, nine months out of the year. <laughs> nine months wow. out of twelve months had a military base, which is mm -hmm. that's just in, in, insane. So, like just thinking, how, like how to play hockey, you... like that's that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and if you don't if you don't agree, they send you to the front line in Afghanistan. Like you really don't have a choice. Wow. Well. Yeah. Um, I guess that just shows, you know, um, the situation he was in. Um, and also, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a different time. he did, it did kind of, um, hurt him because he was cut from the, the world championship team, um, in 1982, mm -hmm. I believe. Has he ever One talked about years, that yeah. and, and what, what that was like for him? I'm sure, um, you know, in the scheme of things, wasn't a huge setback mm -hmm. in his career, but at the time, I'm sure that was first of all, pretty scary um, that, yeah. you know, they kind of reprimanded him for speaking out, but also like really unfortunate for his career at the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the exact, like the exact world championships, but I do know he told me the story, how they just took away his passport and said, you're not coming. And that was basically it. And he had no, they, first of all, they took away his passport because they were afraid he was going to try to defect. So he couldn't mm -hmm. leave the country in any way. And then, because of that, they basically didn't let him come to the world championships because they were afraid that he would try to defect from that country. And they just left him home at home. And, you know, thankfully nothing bad happened, but still that must've been, you know, yeah, terrifying. Very when, scary. When you, when, Very when you scary. speak out and someone does something that big, like you're, you're your country's, you know, top line center. It's like if, mm -hmm. It's like if McDavid were to say something and then at the Olympics next year, they just, you know, didn't take him, took away his passport. Like McDavid, you're stuck yeah. here. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's it's very scary. And, you know, thankfully nothing bad had happened and, you know, they got through it. But it sounds like it's also an example of um, him using his position as being, like, basically the best Russian mm -hmm. player at the time um, to speak out. And that, yeah, he did get cut from that world championship but 
you know, if a player at a lower level spoke out, the punishment could be yeah. a lot worse. So ha- I'm sure um, you touched on it a bit, but how has he inspired you to use your voice and just speak out, especially on social media, about what you think is right? Mm. You know, it's never been like he's told me to say something or told me to, to speak out. It, I think it, it could be something genetic or just subconsciously as a child. I sort of, you know, put the two and two together that that's the right way to do things. But for for me personally, I just, I don't like it when people are treated, you know, unfairly or differently or are, mm-hmm. are segregated just because you think they're different or someone thinks they're different. Like, we're all human beings. We're all. But it's like, what is team. what is different? Even exactly me. Like we're all different in a sense. You know, the, the only thing that different does is make you unique, and yeah. everyone should be unique in their own way. And you know, if you don't like someone because of their skin tone, because of you know where they're from, because of you know who they love, well, then I'm sorry, but you're you're the problem, not them. Yeah. You know, like, and that's that should be the way you know it's looked at, but. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just, still a lot of it's work. It's sad. Do. It's sad when you when you hear people just saying these things, and I don't know. It, it gets me really upset because, like, who do you think you are that you can judge someone just because you know they're black, or just because they're gay, or just because they're from a different country? Like, we're all the same. Like, I look at people as if you're a good person. I'll treat you like with respect, with kindness. If you're a bad person, I'm just going to let you be and, you know, best of luck. But I don't get where that hatred comes of, you know, just being such an evil person to someone that has done nothing wrong to you. And the only reason why you don't like them is because they are slightly different to you. I I just can't comprehend that. Yeah. It honestly just makes no sense. And it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's still an issue, but um, you know, there's a lot of people um, in the community speaking out, and especially in hockey, you know, there's some setbacks, but it does seem like yeah. we're moving slightly in the right direction. Um, so I was wondering if there was any specific event or news article or just something that you can remember that sparked your act your activism. You know what? Um... Not really. Um, I just I just got fed up one day from from uh, from seeing people, you know, talking or or hearing things being said. Where I was just like, you know, if I believe in something, I'm gonna say it. Like I I'm not gonna you mm-hmm. know keep quiet. I feel like if if you keep quiet, then you're, you're sort part of, of the like, problem. Um, you're part of the problem. Yeah. If you yeah. see something and you don't say anything, you're part of the problem. And I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be someone that you know advocates for change for for help for love and even if it's something small or or big i i don't want to be the person that you know just close my eyes i was like oh i wasn't doing this so i'm fine well Mm -hmm. i saw it happen and i didn't do anything about it it's you know it's it's just as bad as as doing it in my opinion yeah and something um that really honestly sets you apart more than just your activism itself is mm. how aware you are of coming off as performative. Um, I know you've mentioned this a couple of times on Twitter. Um, and I was wondering how, how have you gone about that of making sure that um, 
you know, like your work and your words are perceived as genuine and not just um, something to kind of get you like Twitter points or clout or have you seen mm -hmm. as um, just simply being like an ally and like on, you know, the right um, side, I guess. You know, for me, I, I've never even thought of that. Like, like, it's one of those things where if I see something that I agree with or don't agree with, I'm going to speak up about it. And, you know, when I first started talking about this, to be totally honest, I didn't even know like what an ally was or like mm -hmm. what any of this was. I was just speaking how I believe. And I believe that if something I see is, I deem it like to be injustice or to be unfair, I'm going to say something, I'm going to try to, you know, fix that issue. But at the start, I wasn't like, I'm going to be an ally, all these things. No, I was just like, I see something that I don't think is right. I think this is, you know, unfair. So I'm going to say something. And I think one of my first things was that I said was made was when the Capitol building was attacked. That was probably one of the first times I had ever spoken out about something. And then from there, I was like, well, I've said something now. I might as well just, you know, mm -hmm. keep being myself on here. Because that's, that's the biggest thing that I try to, you know, worry about is a lot of people are not genuine and I just try to be myself. And if being myself ever gets me in trouble, well, I was just being myself. I can't be angry at that. And honestly, I've never liked it when people are disrespectful or when people are, you know, using their platform for hate. So I just try to use my platform for love and I just want to, you know, treat people with kindness, regardless of who they are, what their background is. And that's just my biggest thing. Of course. And I think that, um, you know, describing your, your genuine approach, um, really like, you know, a lot of people do see your activism as, as genuine. And I think it is all in, um, just the approach you mentioned being yourself and really just standing mm. up for what you think is right. And that's just the bottom line. Um, so kind of going off about that, uh, I was wondering how do you go about handling situations where maybe like a teammate or a friend or, you know, someone close to you, not just like a random stranger on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. says something that's maybe not right or offensive or, um, you know, racist or homophobic. I know like locker room talk a lot of times yeah. can be something that, um, pretty bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's hard because you can't, it's when you're the only person in there that's, you know, takes offense, not even takes offense, but like, mm -hmm. doesn't agree with what someone says or is like, damn, that's a bit too much. Like, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say something. And a lot of the times, if you do say something, it could only create a bigger problem because people will, mm -hmm. you know, go out of their way to do that even more just because they think they're, you know, Oh, I'm a big shot. I can say whatever the hell I want. But like, if it's someone that's closer to me, I would, you know, I wouldn't say in front of everyone, I would go to the side of the game and like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be, you know, using this word that's, you know, held down a group of people for hundreds of years. Like that's just not mm -hmm. cool or, or, or something like that. But I just try to handle it as best as I can. And with every individual person, it needs to be handled differently. That's, that's how I view things because, you know, everyone's psychology is different. And I try to, I try to build relationships with people so I can understand what drives them to that place, whether it is fear, whether it's, you know, lack of knowledge, whether it's just, 
a pure form of hatred for something, I try to, you know, understand them. And if I better understand that person, I can find an approach of, you know, how I can come up and, you know, sort of try to reason with them by telling them, you know, maybe that's not the best way of handling things. You know, that's not, how would you feel if you were in that person's position? And you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but at the end of the day, even if it doesn't work, it gives someone something to think about. And yeah, I'm happy of that, course. And that it, that understanding it is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great to hear that, um, you know, you are actually working like in locker rooms and in settings where, you know, um, words and phrases that contribute to mm -hmm. um, like racist or homophobic beliefs. Um, and you're actually like, you know, trying to make an effort to tell people that that's maybe something they shouldn't do or just, you know, at the yeah. very least educate them about, you know, the meaning of the word and um, just sure. the, you know, the magnitude it holds. So um, hockey especially is a sport where there aren't a lot of people who are outspoken about um, mm -hmm. a lot of social issues, especially compared to, you know, football, basketball, although there are some exceptions. Um, so why do you think that is? It's an interesting question, and I don't think there is a 100% a answer that I could use to, you know, explain why everyone is like that. Not everyone, I'd say the majority of players are like that. But one thing that I would say is a lot of people in hockey are never forced to, you know, look in the mirror and actually try to build up a second part to their character besides the hockey player because most people are from smaller towns and those towns mm -hmm. from young ages, they're viewed as, you know, as gods, as the next one. Everyone tells them they're the best. Their parents tell them they're the best, their friends. So you think you can do anything, get away with it. And you're not forced to, you know, understand why something's wrong. You're like, oh, well, I'm so-and-so I can do whatever I want. Well, that's not true. Everyone has, you know, limitations in what they can say mm -hmm. and what they can do. And if you think that you're, that you're bigger than that, well, then you're wrong. So in terms of that, it's, it's one of those things where you think you're, you're so you know popular, you're so smart, you're so, you're so cool that you don't need to be educated, that you don't need anything else besides hockey. And I really think that a lot of, you know, that comes from a lack of knowledge, a lack of education, but there's also some cases that I've seen that are people, I would just say, they're just not good guys. They're just not good people. That's why they're, they're yeah. saying things like that. And you're always going to find good and bad people. I think that yeah. regardless of, of where you are, there's always going to be good and bad people. So I would say a lot of it stems from, you know, how people are, are, are brought up. And that is where you could, you think you can get away with anything and a lack of, you know, emotional identity and um a lack of just educating yourself in these topics because you believe that i'm a hockey player i don't need to know anything else but then mm -hmm. there's also some people that that just that just choose hate and that's sad to see but it's just it's hard because a lot of the times you know nobody wants to make the hard decision of actually you know soul yeah. searching of figuring out why you think this way why you don't like this race, why you're uncomfortable with, you know, someone being gay. Like at the end of the day, if, if you actually take the time and you dig deep and, you know, maybe even go to therapy to figure out why this bothers you so much, why that bothers you so much, mm -hmm. 
you can you can actually fix yourself and you know self-improvement is a real thing you can work on yourself and a lot of people work on their muscles on their cardio but not many people work on you know their mind and their brain or even their emotional intelligence so mm -hmm. that's honestly my answer to that question it's a very convoluted answer and it's a very, very complicated one but at the same time it's probably the best way i can articulate things at this moment i think it's so interesting you say that especially in regards to mental health because um mental health has kind of been like a viral thing you know um mm -hmm. i wouldn't say there's exactly a stigma around mental health anymore it's more of like a stigma around actually realizing that everyone can get better and you know you can always yeah. like better your mind and also um i think a lot of people you know they're willing to post like hashtag bell let's talk but they're not willing yeah to go to therapy or to really kind exactly. of like look at themselves um and not all of mental health is just suicide prevention you know it's dealing with anxiety stress um just the way you handle yourself and that's really interesting that you mm -hmm. you brought it into you know a conversation about um why people like are sometimes hesitant to speak up and also i think a big part of that is just um the environment of hockey is really much just keep your head down and don't yeah. really stand out um and that's really kind of at, at every level and it's really unfortunate but it's great to see that um you know as more young players come in to the to the nhl that um they're kind of breaking that and i think it's yeah. awesome to see especially this past year um you know jt brown and tyler sagan um were pretty outspoken about about black lives matter and mm. a couple players on um the north dakota college team um so it's nice to see that just we're moving in the right direction a little of bit. Of course, yeah. It's yeah. it's nice to see that and there's and there's a lot of progress being made, but even like I remember last summer I I played soccer with a lot of my hawk friends in Detroit and mm -hmm. I got a Black Lives Matter patch on my on my jersey, which you know, at the time every team in your soccer team in Europe had a patch yeah. like that. And you know, I I was, you know, supporting that and I got the same patch and a lot of my friends they didn't even want to be pictured with me because i had the patch on oh. they didn't want to be associated with that and they said that's disgusting what am i doing and that really took me back that was you know quite shocking to i'm sure it's so tough to have you know your friends yeah. people you've known for a long time say that and have yeah that it's, it's one of those things where usually if there's any political uh, discussion they're all on one side and i'm on the other side so that's kind of difficult being in a hockey locker room because i feel like the political scales are always tipped to one side and if you're one of the few people that are on the other side you know you really can't argue with you know 18 19 people you just gotta yeah you know, yeah you gotta choose your battles ones that you can win but you can't yeah. win a battle arguing 20 people mm -hmm. and that actually ties in really well um to my next question about uh mm -hmm. you know the nhl post a rainbow logo or something about black lives matter all the comments uh -huh. are just can we keep politics out of sports yeah but um you never really said anything that's that political if you look at it you know you're not mm -hmm. endorsing one candidate or the other or talking about um actual like policies a lot of what you talk about is just like hey twitter has pronouns now or happy pride yeah. month they're just stuff like that so and being um you know a journalism major and 
working yeah. in specifically sports journalism, we were taught that sports is such a powerful medium to bring people together. And, you know, you can ignore the news, you can choose not to watch, you know, whatever. Um, or you don't have to care about politics, but people are going to care about sports. Yeah. And when politics start coming into sports, that's just a sign that you have to wake up and listen. Like it's such an effective exactly. medium to reach people who might not otherwise be reached. Um, and to me, that's kind of how I see it. But I was wondering how someone like you, who is outspoken about a lot of just social issues and human rights, not even politics, would respond mm. to all these people saying that we should keep politics out of sports. You know, the people that that's, again, I'm going to use the word boomers, the boomers that comment <laughs> on these on these captions and on these pictures and all these saying, we got to keep politics out of sports. There's there's no politics in sports in my day. That's a total lie. That's a total. Oh lie. yeah, yeah. It's protests at the Olympics yeah. have been going back like a hundred years, more than that. Like exactly, it's crazy. You look at what Jesse Owens did at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. That was a, that was you know huge for for politics. You look at the last Olympics before World War II when Germany hosted it. And that was mm -hmm. literally Hitler yeah, using the Olympics as a, as a political display of power. Exactly. So people saying that politics, politics and sports don't match. Well, it's been going on forever. I don't know where you've been looking Even, if you're um, saying that. Yeah, the national anthem and um, military mm -hmm. salutes are, um, yeah. you know, like heavily supported by the military. Like the military literally pays teams to honor veterans. And that's you know like extreme overlap of exactly in sports i mean politics have always been in sports and i think they always will be like mm -hmm. how can a, a man like lebron james who was raised in akron who's who's seen what he's seen not speak up when he sees a video of george floyd being murdered when he has or or when something happened to trayvon martin when he has mm -hmm. you know his his own boys that could be mistaken by a racist and their lives could be at risk. How can you not say something when you're in a position yeah, like that? Yeah, and it's it's honestly rude to criticize um, yeah, these players, I especially agree. black players who have, you know, come from, you know, difficult lives. And it's like, that's, exactly. their, that's their community, that's their life. Like, and just because they're a professional athlete now and, you know, making millions of dollars, that doesn't change the struggles they may face. and honestly it's extremely insensitive um to even criticize them for speaking out exactly and honestly i always say this like i'm a straight white male that lived in like a wealthy community but at the end of the day whenever i would fly back to the united states from a foreign country their tone the passport officer's tone would change immediately when he found out i have a second citizenship and it's russian and i'd get questioned right away i'd get sent back to the interrogation room as soon as you know they see me, welcome back, sir. All these nice things. As soon as you have a second citizenship, that I'm not fully American, we're going to need to ask you some more questions. We need to look at your bags, or like even if my mom were to get pulled over or something, how can you afford such a nice car? Like, like just because someone has an accent, you think they can't afford a nice car? Like, I'm sorry, but that's just not okay. You can't be just like profiling someone at the spot, you know. So mm -hmm. you're you're pissed off that someone uh, someone that's not from this country has a better life than you. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just not fair. Yeah. So they would interrogate you at at the airport before. 
all the time, all the time. Every time I oh my God. I walk in, that's I have first, no idea. Yeah. That, that, yeah, they're so nice. They're so nice once when, when they see me, and then they um, ask for my name. They see my name. They start getting suspicious because they see it's a foreign name. They ask if I have a second citizenship, so I give them my Russian passport. And immediately they take me back and like, we're going to need to ask some more questions. They like unzip all my bags, look at my bags to see what illegal goods I'm bringing in when in reality it's just hockey gear and clothes. (laughs) And after that, they're like, oh, you know what? You're good to go. And that's how it goes pretty much every time I travel. That's great. I had, I had no idea that they did that. And I'm sure it's worse for, um, exactly. No, not white males um just so important that's something people have to experience in the first place Um, so have you witnessed any institutional practices or policies um in hockey or sports that actively uphold structures that make hockey um inclusive that make it inclusive or uh, uninclusive uh, uninclusive uninclusive my bad uh no you're good Uh, honestly i haven't seen anything that's like been like you know foundational by like the society or by Mm -hmm. people running the show it's mostly just individuals you know joking around about these type of things and using these you know kind of slurs but i've never seen like that sort of like happen from like you know the higher ops or whatever it's 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 mostly just dumb locker room talk that can down the road lead to you know something worse yeah. but i've never i've never seen anything like um like what you were mentioning no but at the same time that's so unfortunate that it is individuals um who are mm. making hockey kind of an uninclusive place and also yeah. kind of makes us realize the power that we have just as you know someone in a locker room in an environment that um you know our behavior really does make a difference and can help to perpetuate um, a better culture or one that kind of upholds um, the status quo of, of course, just, yeah. you know, straight white male hockey players. Mm-hmm. Um, so since being so outspoken um, on Twitter, you have kind of formed like a little community. You have a lot of fans on there. So, um, and also I think you have, by bringing together this community, um, you have shown that there are a lot of really diverse hockey fans like they're they're out there um people just sometimes you know just overlook them um so just describe a little bit about that community and um was it kind of like a wake up to you that there are this many diverse hockey fans like what what was that like to be honest it was a little bit because growing up when you see a hockey fan you typically see um you know a middle-aged white guy in like a team hat and maybe his kids and his family, but I, I never knew that the community was so diverse and there were so many people. So when I saw that, it was even more eye-opening to me because I, I, I began to understand that these, there's so many people that love the game, but they don't view it as they're accepted in the game and they're, you know, Mm -hmm. they're afraid to be themselves. So that's when I started to think, all right, so what can I do to try to help this? What can I do to try to solve this? And that's when I started to speak up a little bit because at the end of the day, this is going to help so many people feel more comfortable knowing that someone's on their side, but also yeah. it's going to grow the sport. And I think that it's a great sport and it deserves to grow. Like I always say, I love hockey, but I hate being a hockey player, if that makes sense. 
I yeah, love playing no. the game. Yeah. But I hate being in that in- environment, which is why I try to, you know, make friends with people from other industries or, you know, like even my relationships in the past have been with people that don't even know what hockey is because I feel like it's it's kind of difficult with, with people that are in the hockey world because it's it's almost so corrupted. Yeah. It's it's kind of tough. But yeah, it's um I, I just try to make it easier for, for all the people that feel like they're not loved, that feel like they're not accepted. And slowly I, I think they are, you know, becoming more and more accepted. I think that's great. But there's still a long yeah, way to go. And of course, always is. Um but it's just it's just so great that you have been able to kind of help form this little community for hockey fans that feel like, you know, no matter where they're from, no matter if they played hockey before or if they started mm-hmm. watching it a week ago, that they can just talk about it. Um, and that's all that matters. And also, I think it kind of shines a light on things like, um, you know, using uh, rainbow tape in practice and the NHL posting yeah. about Black Lives Matters that there are people who that really like means a lot to them you know a lot of comments on those posts are like oh like there's no gay players in the nhl and it's like first of all there's no out gay players in the nhl there's 800 players the chances Mm -hmm. that none of them are gay is very very tiny um but it's just even just really little acts like that can mean a lot to people who don't feel accepted and that's something that should be acknowledged even if it doesn't pertain you know to you specifically that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean a lot to yeah. some other fan um of course so- and it's something that really angers me is one of my a uh, couple of my friends from back home were saying like why why are you doing this i'm like well it makes a difference for a lot of people it makes them feel safer like how does it make them feel safe these people are so soft they're so soft and i i, I was shocked when i heard that all i could say was you know, I think you guys are the soft ones that are being affected by something yeah. that has nothing to do with you. Just spreads love. Like you don't agree with it, game. just scroll, move on. Like you don't have to. Yeah, like if you're so that. hard, if you're so hard, and you're calling people soft, then why does this affect you so much? That's that really, you know, angers me when I hear stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I also think people just don't like understand, especially people who are very accepted in the community, you know, like mm-hmm. white, straight males who have played hockey all their life from rich families. Yeah. They, you, you will never know what it's like to not feel welcome in exactly. a community that you're interested in. Like imagine just, you know, loving hockey, but not being welcome in like, you know, it's communities tough, yeah. around that sport. I can't even, I can't and even just imagine, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you just have to realize that, that that's not an experience that you can ever experience and mm-hmm. that just respect like For you sure. know how other people feel about things um it's unfortunate there's people like that but again it's nice to see that um you know there are starting to be communities um for hockey fans no matter where they're from um mm-hmm. so given your activism um i was wondering if there have ever been any complications with um like your russian background um, because as you know, like a lot of stuff, um, with LGBTQ rights is, um, very frowned upon in Russia. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if like, have you been, when you were in Russia, were you like tw- able to tweet about it there or any other complications like that? 
honestly, when I was in Russia, I tried not to tweet about most things because of, you know, the going on. So I just, you know, mm-hmm. keep it, keep it on a low profile, just more like, you know, jokes or observations. But um, yeah. now that I've gone back and I've started to, you know, be more active, I really haven't, um, really haven't had any backlash from Russia or people from Russia. I've had some, you know, American or, or North American fans, you know, throw some some things my way mostly um i don't know just like stupid things that don't even you Mm -hmm. know bother me or affect me but for the most part it's all been good like i really can't say that i've had anything bad i've had people be like what are you doing blah 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 or like Mm -hmm. get your pronouns out of out of your bio like (laughs) like i know you're a man like what are you gay or something and i'm like like dude like it makes people feel better and more accepted in the hockey community like this doesn't so like you, it's doesn't such a you. little like, thing like why yeah do you care like that goes back to calling like, yeah. people soft he's like you're literally upset about three words in someone's bio like exactly and it's like i don't think they're the soft one here buddy <laughs> yeah it's like i i you everyone knows like i'm a dude but like for someone that someone that sees this and is a hockey fan they're like wow like this person supports me. This person understands me. That makes such a big difference, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'll do that all day long just to write three, three little words in my. In yeah, my, uh, it's bio. such a little it's, thing. It you makes me feel better. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just when people say that kind of upsets me. It doesn't really anger me because, you know, I know I'm doing the right thing. Because regardless, mm-hmm. you're always going to get some some people saying something to you when you're doing something, and I know I'm doing the right thing in this situation, but. It's annoying sometimes. Sometimes people, you know, say some things, but for the most part, yeah. it's been it's been all good. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and you know, you really do, you really do make a difference. I mean, people on Twitter love you. you. Um, and it's really nice to see that you're a part of that community. Um, so switching gears a bit here, mm-hmm. um, you do have a pretty big uh, social media following, and honestly, like it doesn't seem like a lot of that is from, um, you know, being a pro hockey player or even your dad's name. A lot of it is from just like your personality and, um, you know, your content. So have you ever considered becoming like an influencer if hockey doesn't work out or even, you know, Mm -hmm. an influencer who does play hockey? I mean, you already have have called me an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you kind of are one already. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair to say you are one. But um, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's a good question because it's it makes sense why you would ask and why people would be interested in that. But I don't know. I I feel like an influencer isn't like something real. Like I'm, it's yeah. just someone being themselves, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just you know tweeting um, what I uh, what I feel is right and or just Instagram or something. I'll just post like something that I think is cool, like, or, or funny or, or probably cool. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I definitely love to post. I love to make content. All that stuff is fun. And, you know, after hockey or something, I, I definitely love to do something that is, you know, in the entertainment industry, um, whether it be some sort of like, I don't know, I've had some approaches from some agencies to to model a few times, which you know I'm, wow. I'd be down to do. And 
that would be a lot of fun. I feel like um, I know some people in that industry. I've been close to some people from that industry, and they've all said that I I could potentially do that. So I'd be down to do that. Also, I'd love to. I don't know, maybe produce or write or you know something in that in that in that field or being on air personality, not as like you know Liam McHugh or or like Jeremy Roenick or all these guys commentating hockey or something. I'd rather. Mm-hmm you know, do something away from the sport, but yeah, definitely something in terms of the entertainment business or just being in front of the camera is something I'd really enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you have music, right? Like your own music you've recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, is that something you'd ever soon. pursue a bit more? Oh, it's coming out. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's coming out. Yeah. I have a producer the, in Russia who wanted to have a drop date yet. I don't have a, a a date yet. We're still in the writing process and creating all that, but I should have three songs out by end of summer. And yeah, it's just one of my friends. He's a producer in Russia, and he figured that it would be cool to to make some music. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let's For do sure, it. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if you look at things right now, like what Pete Davidson said a few weeks ago, I thought was it was a joke, but it was really funny and and true. It was if you have enough followers. You can truly do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if you look at these people, like they're releasing music, they're becoming boxers. They're like, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on of all the things they're doing. And yeah, it's like, because people will support you no matter what at that point. Yeah, exactly. So like, if if you do all these things, you're first of all, it's fun. Second of all, people probably enjoy watching it because it's this form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And lastly, you're gonna gain more followers. You're gonna grow a bigger brand at the end of the day when you have a bigger brand you're able to affect more people's lives and you're able to do more good Mm so you know for me it's just uh it's a win-win win scenario and i'm excited for whatever the future holds (laughs) and right now it's obviously more focused on hockey and you know all of that but we'll see where you know everything else goes yeah of course so um oh i lost my train of thought here so what is your um So what does your Spotify most played look like then? So I don't have Spotify anymore. Or Apple Music story. most played. <laughs> but I let me oh, let me check my Apple Music. Let me pull my let me pull my phone out real quick. What what happened with Spotify? Uh, it's a long story. I had a joint account with someone and I don't have a joint account with someone anymore. <laughs> you know how it goes, I'm sure. Everyone's yeah. been been through that. Of course. All right. So let me go through my, um, all right. Yeah. Let me go through my recently, not recently played. It is called favorites mix for this week. And that is ever since New York, Harry Styles, save your tears the weekend. Let's see. Still don't know my name. Labyrinth. Only ones who know Arctic monkeys, the water by Rye X um she harry styles falling down little peep daddy issues neighborhood big jet plane angus and julia stone um 505 arctic monkeys it's you zane lullaby for insomniac james blake from the dining table harry styles um butterflies casey musgrave Wow, sounds like you got a pretty, pretty yeah, interesting like, mix like, there. 
like 15 songs. Yeah, I think there's a few more. Wow. Um, Ap Apocalypse, Cigarettes After Sex, uh, Cigarette Daydreams, Cage the Elephant, and last one is, let me see what that is. Are You Bored Yet? The Wallows. Yeah. You really got it's all over the place. Country it's in all there. over the yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. I got everything Honestly, in there. I'm I'm the same way. I like when people ask me what kind of music I like, I just say I have bad taste in music because it's not bad. It's just very mm. tailored to me. And I'm like, you yeah. probably won't like it. And I'm not gonna defend it because frankly, mm -hmm. I really don't care if you like it or not. But for sure, it's your personally your thing, yeah. don't hand me the ox because you probably <laughs> won't like it. Honestly, right. whenever I get the yeah. ox, people ask me, who, who is this? What song is this? Because like, my favorite thing is when I play something and nobody knows what it is. That's like my yeah. all time favorite thing to do. See, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and um, mm -hmm. she has a song for any mood, any day, any moment. Yeah. <laughs> so you hand, you hand me the ox, I'm probably playing a Taylor Swift, a Taylor Swift song, um, which a lot of times we're That's like, perfect. oh my God, like, this is Taylor Swift. Like she doesn't just sing, shake it up. I'm like, yeah, like she's really good at music. But um, yeah, yeah. My friends joke like, oh, at one point is Clara gonna hijack the ox at the party with Taylor Swift? <laughs> or like, um, I don't know if bars are and you have touch tunes. You know that is where What's you can that? like control the music. Touch tunes where you can control the music at the bar. No, I've the only place I've been. I have like DJs, and when you request something, they usually don't don't, don't play anything that yeah. you want. But so a lot of a lot of bars in um, Madison, Wisconsin, and and Ann Arbor have like mm -hmm. it's an app, and they also have basically like a jukebox in there, um, mm -hmm. and it costs like a dollar or two, but you can like play a song. Um, oh, so cool. like, <laughs> eventually it gets to a point in the night where I play either like Love Story or You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift, uh -huh. and the bar oh, loves it. Like that's the most the most hype song of the night. People get um, going with that. So, yeah. yeah, like you can't. Everyone knows the words. Like whatever. But for sure. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my taste in music. But um. So last question here is an mm -hmm. easy one. Who is um? Who do you think is gonna be uh, playing for the Stanley Cup this year. Interesting. Um, and hopefully we get this podcast out before it's decided. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see, um, for the entertainment value, I'd like to see Tampa versus Vegas is because I feel like they're both, you know, exit teams, but I feel like Montreal has got something special going, especially with, um, Carey Price and that he's just out of yeah. this world insane right now and i think it'll be montreal and tampa yeah that's what that's it's looking my prediction. like right now yeah also like i work at wisconsin like cliff Caulfield, let's go mm -hmm. you know, yeah true be great end mm -hmm. great end to an already like accomplished year for real yeah so um that's all i have for you any last thoughts anything you want followers to know uh, you know, just thank you for having me. I always, you know, have a blast talking and, you know, conversing about these different things. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. It was so fun. Um, I really appreciate taking time. So that is Igor Larianov, the second everyone. Subscribe to the Morning Skate podcast. Follow us at uh, Morning Skate on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, follow Igor on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well. I'm Clara, and I will see you in 
probably not the next one, but probably sometime soon.